and welcome to When Life Gives You Lemons Go Vegan. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja, and in this podcast, I share people's incredible stories of hope and recovery after adopting a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet and healing from chronic diseases such as type 2 diabetes, heart disease, multiple sclerosis, Crohn's disease. We've had asthma. We've had PCOS. We've had rheumatoid arthritis, type 2 diabetes, I said that already. Um, We've had... So many. There's just so many. It's just endless. We've had breast cancer. We've had so many um, people and stories now. This is episode 47. So it just keeps getting better and better. From, <laughs> from Not that I'm biased, but I love hearing these stories. I love hearing the meeting these people and getting to share their stories with you. And I hope that they do to you what they do to me, which is just Give me each week a new dose of hope, enthusiasm, excitement and clarity around this way of eating. And I think in a time when there is just so much noise about what the latest fad diets are, is it keto, is it paleo, is it, you know, whatever it is, there's so many, you know, grapefruit diet, cabbage soup diet, Weight Watchers, you know, Lean Cuisine, whatever it is, there's some fad out there, you know, um, powders, pills, shakes, whatever. And this podcast to me helps to clear away that noise and to say, you know what, there is no diet that does for people long-term and short-term what a low-fat whole food plant-based diet does. There is none. You know, you can Google it. You find out what the long-term health results are for any of the, the diets Um, out there. And there's nothing that comes close to standing beside a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet in its capacity for weight loss, its capacity for longevity, its capacity for healing chronic diseases and even, you know, life significant life-threatening diseases in some cases, not all cases, but many cases of diseases such as heart disease and even some forms of cancer. So there's nothing like it. And that's why I love sharing these stories because more people need to know that. And so if you haven't yet shared this episode with your family and friends, I would love it if you could, because it might be someone in your friends list on social media Who needs these episodes? Who needs that clarity? Who needs to know that these stories are out there, that they exist and that there is hope for whatever condition that they have? As Dr. Clapper says, whatever condition, if you come in with your eczema, if you come in with psoriasis, if you're coming into a doctor with type 2 diabetes, aches and pains, rheumatoid arthritis, if you're saying that, you know, you've got sore joints, gout, if you're saying that you've got asthma, if you've got polycystic ovarian syndrome, if you can't lose weight, if you can't keep off weight, if it's that you're, you've got the beginnings of high blood pressure, if you've got high cholesterol, it's the food. It's always been the food, as Dr. Clapper says. It's always the food. You know, you can say, oh, it's in my family, but your diet and your lifestyle, they pull the trigger. Genes, load the gun, your diet pulls the trigger. So whatever you think, oh, my grandparents all had this, this grandma had it, and then that great-grandma had it, and we, we're, we all have heart, heart attacks in our family. Though you all have, you might have all genetically be predisposed for that kind of condition in the right, in the right environment, but the, it's the diet and the lifestyle that pulls the trigger. And anyway, so please share this, share these, share these. I don't, I've never asked before to share, but please can you share them? Because I want as many people as possible to know that, that these stories exist. The people that people don't even know these stories exist. And I want them to know that they exist more than anything. I'm very, very, very 
passionate about sharing these stories with as many people as possible around the world so that they can heal like I have, like the guests on my show have, like many, many, many people around the world are discovering this way of eating and healing themselves. So please, if you can, share. That would be wonderful. Um, obviously, like, you know, like the podcast, subscribe to the podcast if you, you know, if you have the inclination to do that. It's on YouTube now, but I've, I'm just drizzling out the episodes across there. There's 20... Two currently, more and more will come over there soon. It all helps, you know, your support helps more people to find this podcast. And that's the whole purpose is for more people to find it, more people to change their diet, take their control of their health, get live disease free, you know, as much as possible, because it is possible to live very, very close to disease free and into your own old age, feeling healthy and vibrant, able to love your people that you love and live the life that you want to live without chronic pain, chronic constipation, chronic ill health and suffering as a result of the things that we put into our mouths. Uh, yes. But anyway, off that topic, because I... I I want that. To, I want to highlight it because I really want you to share this with your family and friends on social media because I really want more people to hear about it and know that it exists to change their health. But more importantly, today I really want people to know about my next guest, which is the amazing. I'm fangirling because I just have followed this woman for so many years now, and she has helped me so much in my own. D- ups and downs with food addiction and compulsive eating and disordered eating. Um, so I was so excited when she said yes and you agreed to come on the show. Her name is Chef AJ. To anyone who doesn't know her, Chef AJ has a YouTube channel and I found her on her Weight Loss Wednesday program on YouTube, but she also has a healthy living show and she has a website called Eat Unprocessed. So that's at eatunprocessed.com. She's also on Facebook and YouTube as Chef AJ. And she also has two amazing books. One's called Unprocessed and it's a brilliant book. And she also has another book that I have as my little Bible on my bedside table, which is called The Secrets to Ultimate Weight Loss by Chef AJ. And I love that book as well. So definitely recommend getting both those books and checking her out at her website at, you know, Googling her, finding her stuff, and yeah, definitely worth reading everything that she's written and going online and checking her out everywhere because she is just so knowledgeable about this. She has lost, you know, she talks the talk and has walked the walk as far as she, you know, she has had a lifetime of just almost 60 now. She's had a lifetime of disordered eating. And in this episode today, she's going to talk all about that, about her weight loss journey, about her eating disorders about how she overcame them, the steps that she took and how she, you know, as she says in her, in this episode, she, I was, I, I was surprised. I knew it was a, a, a small amount, but she says that the figures are that only 2% of people maintain their weight loss after two years, 2%, which is a huge figure. And she's now maintained her weight loss for seven years. And she just keeps going, teaching, talking. You know, she presents. She works at True North. She's an amazing, amazing, amazing force in this movement of low-fat, whole food, plant-based eating. And I'm so excited to have her on the show. So here she is. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And I'm so grateful. And thank you so much, Chef AJ, for coming on the show. 
Hello, AJ, and welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. Well, thank you. Uh, I've been following you, as I said in the intro, I've been following you for a really long time. You're one of um, the people that I follow that really inspires me and encourages me, and I really love the way you educate and help teach people about how to make food delicious, but also about you know, all the calorie density and all those kinds of things, which really blew my mind when I first learned about calorie density. Yeah, I know. Me too. It's like, why did I have to be 52 when I learned about it? You know, (laughs) one of my friends, she's her sister's really um, quite young. She's in her early 20s and she's all over it. And I keep thinking, why wasn't I in my early 20s and all over it? Kids today are so lucky. <laughs> They're so lucky. Yes, yeah, so obviously I've given you a bit of an introduction before uh, you and I sat down to talk, but if you would like to please tell your story to everyone who doesn't know you or hasn't heard of you or who has but uh, So so it's I'm old. I'm almost 60, so it's a long story. So are there any – you don't want to bore your audience. Or are there any particular <laughs> parts you want to tell? Because I've had a very long life. Actually, that's why I finally wrote this book because, honestly, the first chapter is my story. And if somebody mm-hmm. wants the reader's digest version of my story for 43 minutes they can go to my youtube page chef aj and watch the talk that i gave at the mcdougall advanced study weekend which is called from fat vegan to skinny bitch and that is like the reader's digest you know i I did 50 58 years in 43 minutes Ah. so it's 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 because it's such a long life yes uh, Oh, it's so tricky to pick a section. <laughs> I, there's a lot of little tributaries because I know that you talk a lot about hope and healing on your podcast. And so one of the things that I healed from was was obesity. And, and that, that, that doesn't sound like it's such a big deal to lose 50 pounds and keep it off. But it actually is because if you look at the research on weight loss, everybody can lose weight, but very few people keep it off forever. And it's certainly more than two years. It's almost unheard of something like less than 2%. So I'm pretty proud of that. And like I said, I didn't learn about calorie density, which is the foundation for weight loss, for healthy weight loss, especially in the plant-based world until I was 52. So I heard about it when I was 51, but it took me a year to implement it. So that's, that's part of my healing story. But then there's another part that has nothing to do with being vegan or losing weight was that, that, that I wrote about in my first book on process, which was overcoming panic disorder. I'm not sure I overcame it, but I've learned to manage it. And that was a very significant part of my life. I lost so many years, lost my job, my house, because for a year I couldn't leave. I had panic disorder and agoraphobia. So that's one part of my story. <laughs> then about, oh, boy, like what a life, what a life. No, it's, it's really good now. You know, I swear it's, it's great now. And then um, being diagnosed with precancerous polyps in my forties, overcoming that. So I guess you could say my life is about overcoming adversity, triumphing over adversity and things like that. I had a really bad childhood, abusive, things like that. So, you know, you you can overcome things in life. And if anything, what I want to give people is there's hope. As long as you're breathing, there's hope. And and like I say, I I don't even think my story is necessarily that unique or awesome because I've met so many more people in my travels that have had things much harder than me, both physically and emotionally, and they've overcome it too. And it's, it's, it's great because I think when you see that somebody else could do it, then maybe you think, you know what, maybe I can too. It's so true. And that's, I, I, that's one of the, there's so many reasons why I wanted you to, to have you on this show because after reading, you know, I have your book. I've been, I've read your book. It's a little Bible on my bedside table. <laughs> 
and I, I've you know followed you on YouTube and all those things for for a while, you know, a long time now. A part of your story that I love is that you have overcome so much, and I think that a lot of people when they're when they're living with chronic disease or illness or a lifetime of being overweight and obese, after a while you do feel like there's Hopeless. hope that, that, that there's no hope. Yeah. And, and and you, I think a lot of people when it's when it's a weight problem, you get to a certain age, and I'm not I'm generalizing here, of course, but you decide I've failed so many times to keep this weight off, I'm going to resign to being, in quotation marks, fat and happy, you know, overweight and happy. Just yesterday, I was at a store, a department store, buying a T-shirt, and the lady in front of me was obese, and the salesperson was overweight. And they don't, you know, they don't know who I am. I'm the next one in line, and the, the sizes she's buying obviously are larger. And the person making the purchase said to the sales lady, "He goes, well, I know I'm never going to be thin." And she wasn't older than me. She, I would guess, she was 40s maybe. And I so much, I wish I had had this book. And I said, "You don't have to resign yourself to that because the thing is, is the people that have said that don't have the information. They just don't the have thing, the they, information. They, they never heard of True North or Dr. Mm-hmm. McDougal. And the thing is, the people that go to Santa Rosa, whether it's the McDougal." 10-day program or True North Health Center, and they get the information, they don't have to stay fat and sick. Actually, everybody that goes there and, and does the program gets loses weight and gets well. Sometimes when they go home, they fall off the program, but they don't have the information. And, and the thing is, also, even if they have the information, once they're not in that controlled environment, it can be harder to continue to implement. Yes. So so I guess what, what I would like you to, to talk about because I think that that's it's such a I think there'll be so many listeners who need to hear your story and to and to take it in would be about your weight loss and to think about the 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 the, the, the heaviest you got and and this and the thing the thinking and the mindset and that that hopelessness and that feeling and and how you overcame that what what, what you implemented to overcome that if that's okay right. with you yeah absolutely I, I love talking about this because I was fat when people weren't fat and everybody's fat now and I'm sorry if the word fat um, offends you I mean ex, at, at extra fat you know I mean I could say I keep saying overweight but I was I was overweight or obese from the time I was five years old and I was the fat kid in 1960 when I was born there wasn't very many overweight or obese children at that time something like one out of a classroom of 40 kids was fat and I was that fat kid until probably you know, I noticed like around when I was a junior in college, people started getting a little wider. That would have been like around 1980. So when I was about 20, I started noticing, hey, you know what? I'm not the only fat person anymore. But, you know, for the first 20 years, I was always the fattest kid in my class. Now, now something like one out of every three kids under the age of 18 is is obese, but it wasn't like that back then. And so it was hard growing up the fat kid. And I had a morbidly obese mother, which is no surprise that I, you know, became fat because you have a greater chance of becoming overweight or obese, especially if both parents are. But in my case, only one was, thank goodness. And and I don't blame her. You know, the genetics loaded the gun. It was what I ate that pulled the trigger. And so, you know, I had tried dieting when I never tried, like, it's funny because I never did anything like Weight Watchers or weighing and measuring. I was, I'm an extremist. It was either all or nothing. So it's either binging or restricting. And so I remember the first diet I went on, I, I was 11 years old and my uncle, who was a medical doctor said to me, he goes, you know, you're so fat, you could probably go a whole week without eating and it wouldn't hurt you one bit. 
And I'm like, okay, well, I'll do that. And guess what? I did go a week without eating. Now, now, by the way, fasting can be very safe when it's done under a controlled setting with a medical doctor, like at the True North Health Center, but not when you're 11 and uh, being shamed for your weight. So I did lose weight. And that's what became like, you know, probably how many years, at least till I was 25, you know, two decades of eating disorders uh, fluctuating between anorexia and bulimia. And so it, when I was in college, I was in the University of Pennsylvania in the 70s, my anorexia got so bad. I mean, I was starving and, you know, systems were starting to shut down. My liver wasn't working and I had lost all my fingernails and my hair and I had to be hospitalized for three months, you know, just medically to, you know, no, no periods, things like that. Um, so the anorexia got really, really bad. And again, see, it was before they had a treat. Well, I don't even know if they have a good treatment now, but it, nobody really knew how to treat it in the 70s. Once you were medically okay and not going to starve to death, they threw you in a mental hospital with people that had all kinds of things from psychosis to, I mean, I, I remember there were arsonists in there. I mean, like, my God, I'm like in a hospital with somebody that tried to burn a building down. This is how you treat anorexia. It was really, really scary, especially when you're 19 years old, you know? So, uh, so the thing is, is when you're in a scary place like that, your goal is just to get out. And so the way you get out is you eat so that you get to the weight they want you to be so you can get the hell out of the hospital. But it doesn't matter what you eat because they didn't care back then, you know. And so basically I ate crap and I ballooned up to my highest weight. Even though I had gone from anorexia, I was almost 200 pounds now. And that was like terrible. <laughs> I, I weighed 160 when I was 11. I'm five foot six. I was five. And when I was 11, I wasn't five foot six. But for some reason, I was always able to maintain that weight of about 160, 165 pounds, eating all the crap I wanted. And I was vegan, by the way, since the age of 17. But when I got up to close to 200, I flipped out because my biggest fear in life was that I was going to be morbidly obese like my mom. I don't know what she weighed because her license said 160. I knew she didn't weigh 160 because I weighed 160. Oh, maybe 300. I don't know. Four. I, I have no idea. But uh, that was my biggest fear. And when I got to the 200 mark at almost 20 years old, I was like, oh, my God. And that's when I attempted suicide, unfortunately. And uh, things got even bleaker <laughs> for a little bit, a little while. Yeah. But uh, eventually, yeah, that, that wasn't that wasn't the brightest moment in my life. But uh, the thing is, is I understand regardless of how I look now, I understand what it's like to suffer from your weight, whether it's from too much weight in the case of obesity or too little weight in the case of anorexia. I know what it's like to suffer from discordant eating because, you know, in my ultimate weight loss program, we have lots of people that are normal weight on the outside, but they still suffer in here from cravings and food addiction and discordant eating and binging and restricting or over exercising or sometimes vomiting. So I get it because I was that person probably I started at 11 and at least till the age of 25, a good 14 years, I suffered with those conditions. And so I pretty much, like you said earlier, I resolved to myself that, um, that this is, this is just my set point. This is my genetics. My mom was fat. My grandma was fat. My great grandma was fat. They were all diabetic. This is my lot in life. And this is what I'm going to accept. So I didn't even try to do anything about it because I figured that was it. Well, when I was in my 30s, uh, there's, there was this drug. This was in 1995 now. Fenfen was all the rage. It worked better than any diet medicine ever before because they combined two diet medicines that together they just they, 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 you just weren't hungry. And my doctor gave it to me. And it worked. I mean, the thing is it, made, it tricked your brain into thinking you were full. So I could still eat crap, but I was only able to eat a little bit. It was kind of like gastric bypass of the brain. 
And I got thin again for the second time now. I got, you know, because I'm about 117, 119 now. I've been that for about seven years. And that's what I got down to when I was anorexic, which is not an anorexic weight, by the way. It's still my BMI is 18.5, which is considered normal. That's what I got down to with the FenFen. And then what happened is the FDA decided to take it off the market abruptly because they found that it was causing heart either heart or lung defects or something like that. And I got a letter saying you must immediately go to a cardiologist and have an echocardiogram and then you couldn't get the medicine anymore. Well, guess what happened? The minute the medicine left my system, so did uh, (laughs) all will to uh, resist food. And I, of course, I gained the weight back. And again, I always seem to go back to about 160, 165, except for that brief period after being in the hospital, after starving for months and really binging, getting up to 200. And I'm like, well, this is it. You know, I mean, I tried smoking. I tried over-exercising. I tried bulimia. It, it didn't matter. It seemed like that was my weight. So be it. Well, what happened is in 2011, I went to the True North Health Center in Santa Rosa, California, which is not a weight loss clinic or a fat farm, although I think some people might use it for that. It's it's truly a medical center of healing where they have some of the best plant-based, not some of the best plant pet. Sorry, my little doggie is driving me crazy. There we go. The best plant-based doctors in the world. It was founded over 30 years ago by Dr. Alan Goldhammer and his wife, Dr. Jennifer Murano. And they've had some luminaries like Dr. Clapper working there and medical doctors that have worked there since they, it opened. And that's when I learned that I didn't have to be fat. I didn't have to be sick. I wasn't going there for weight loss. This is why it's such a cool story. I think I was going there because I was on psychiatric medicine and I wanted to get off of it. And Dr. Goldhammer thought maybe with a water fast, I could get off the drugs because I I couldn't get them off. I couldn't get off them myself. I tried and they're very addictive. And I I just, I wanted to be off this medication. And uh, when I got there, they said I couldn't water fast because the drug was too new and they didn't know, uh, they don't fast people on psychiatric medicine. So I did a juice fast. But what happened was I learned pretty much everything that I teach now, everything that I wrote in my book about calorie density, about food addiction. Took me about a year to implement it because I still didn't really believe it. Like I didn't believe what Dr. Lyle was saying that you could really eat all the potatoes, rice and beans you want and and not only lose weight, but but maintain that weight loss. I was really like, nah, carbs make you fat. Even though I was vegan, right? I was vegan this whole time. You know, since actually um, in how many days? In two days, it'll be 41 years since I've been vegan. But most that of the is time- incredible. Congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> You know, it's so funny because just this year I was inducted into the Vegan Hall of Fame, mainly probably because I've just vegan longer than almost anybody. You have. I know. It was such a cool surprise at, at the Vegetarian Summerfest. So, uh, yeah, and I learned all this stuff, and, and I work with Dr. Lyle personally. He's a wonderful psychologist at both the True North Health Center and the McDougal program. He has a weekly podcast called Beat Your Genes Wednesday night at 8.30 Pacific time, which you could actually, you know, people say, oh, I can't afford a session, which by the way is only $75. You can call in the radio show and ask him questions. And he just, for a skinny guy, he sure knows more about weight loss than anybody I ever met. And he he guided me through this process and, uh, you know, it worked. And once I learned it, I taught it to everybody else because I thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread, which by the way, I don't eat sliced bread or any fat. <laughs> mainly because of calorie density. And I'm really happy because I've been thin now for about seven years after struggling for 52 years. But it's not just about visually like, oh, you're so skinny, I'm so great. No, for me, it was more about, I was going to have to have knee surgery because I broke my knee when I was 50. And it was right before my 50th birthday, the month before. And the problem was, is even though people say, oh, 165, 56, you weren't that fat. Well, yeah, I was because my thighs would rub together. And when I broke my knee, 
I couldn't use the crutches or the walker because it was too fat. And when you have to be in a wheelchair for three months and have your husband help you to the bathroom, it's pretty embarrassing, especially when you're not even 50 years old. And I said, you know what? I don't want to be that person in the nursing home bed with somebody wiping my ass. And I said, as soon as I got better and could walk again, which took three months to just even stand up, I said I was going to do something about it. And I did. And uh, it's great because when I was 50 pounds heavier, people don't realize that uh, maybe they do, but uh, if you talk to any orthopedic doctor, they'll tell you that for every pound you're overweight, it's five additional pounds of pressure to your joints, like your ankles, your your knees, and your hips. And so 50 pounds is 200, that's like carrying around 250 extra pounds. And at the time I was working at a re- as a restaurant pastry chef, and sometimes I would have to stand long hours, you know, there's no sitting in that job. And my knee would swell to double the size, maybe triple the size of the other one, I'd be in extreme pain. And I am such a coward when it comes to anesthesia because I was allergic to it in my teens and almost died. And they say it's safer now, but as a lifelong asthmatic, I don't trust anesthesia or, or being intubated or all that stuff. And, and I would literally do anything to avoid surgery, especially eat, even eat right or exercise, especially since with the knee, with what was wrong with my internal derangement, you know, I had about two or three uh, second opinions. So I guess it would be triple opinions. And I would ask, well, is this operation going to help me? And every doctor said, well, it's either going to get worse, going to get better or stay the same. Well, for 33% chance of getting better, I figured, you know, I'd rather lose weight. And one of the doctors actually said, well, you know, have you ever thought about losing weight? And I thought, it's like, I felt like saying, no, never crossed my mind. I never, ever thought about it. But uh, so, so for me, it's like about, you know, feeling good, not having surgery, not having cravings all the time. And, you know, the clothes are so much cuter. I've never been able, I mean, until I lost these 50 pounds to just go to a mall and buy something, you know, that I liked, you know, I'd, I'd always, I wouldn't necessarily have to shop at the plus sizes yet, but I was always at the highest end of the store, like 14, 16s, which, you know, they don't, I mean, maybe now the clothes are cuter, but they weren't back then. I mean, they are making very nice plus size clothing now, but, but you know, growing up, really, it wasn't, you know. No, uh, they're, they're still not as cute. They're not as cute. I still yeah. think that they're not as cute. Yeah, I feel bad because I, I think so many women, I mean, they're overweight men too, but I don't think the social in, impact is such is so great for an overweight man because, man, because we don't really judge the men the same way on looks. We judge them on other things like, you know, maybe how tall they are or how much hair they have or how much money they make. But women, it's 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 tough out there, especially if you're young and single and, and looking for a husband. People um, do judge us on our looks. But but again, it's it's about our self-esteem and how we feel. And when we're carrying around extra weight and not feeling good, I think it, it does affect our self-esteem because of how we feel about ourselves. And my goal really is to empower women uh because I think they put up with so much when they're overweight. I mean, they put up with a lot anyway, I think. But I think that the, the overweight gals that I've worked with, they're people pleasers and they uh, they put themselves last. You know, I have a saying, nice girls finish fat because they do. Uh, they, they And I, I just to empower women as, or empower anybody to know that they can control their health destiny. They can have health a slender body, a calm, stable brain, it's possible. That's why I created the Ultimate Weight Loss Program, and we've had thousands go through it now. And, you know, with, with so much success, we have an annual conference in Vegas called the Ultimate Weight Loss Conference. This year we have Dr. Barnard doing the keynote, and there's just so many people learning that you really can uh, eat healthfully, deliciously, 
and still lose weight if you need to lose weight and uh, and overcome food addiction. So I didn't like choose this career. It kind of chose me. I mean, I wanted to be a veterinarian. So <laughs> uh, I think it's a little late to go to vet school, but uh, that was that's what I wanted to be. Became a vegetarian instead. <laughs> well, that's close. Very similar. It's yeah, all helping the animals just, in the end. Yeah, right, exactly. Just change one letter. Exactly. Oh, that's so- Can you tell us more about a little bit more about? That first stay in True North, because I think a lot of people, when you're making that step to go into a place like that, it can be terrifying. Absolutely. So the good news is, is they don't want you to come if it's not the right place for you. They're always full. There's a two month waiting list. So, so it's the kind of thing where you would want to research this in advance. And one of the great ways you can do that is by having a free consultation with Dr. Ellen Goldhammer, simply by going to their website, which is healthpromoting.com. And there's a little link that says, uh, freak, I don't know what it says without looking at the internet, but it's very easy to find. You need to fill out your, your health history intake form because that way he has to have it in front of him before he calls you on the phone for about 15 or 20 minutes to see if it's right for you. So that's the first thing. The other thing is, is even though it is a water fasting center, I've been there probably 30 times in the last seven years. I've never fasted a day in my life. People can do three levels of care there. There is the water fasting, which is not recommended for weight loss at all. Water fasting is to reverse chronic lifestyle diseases like diabetes, autoimmune disease, those kind of things. That's when they water fast people because there are a lot of people there that are very thin and even underweight that still will fast for up to 40 days reversing their disease. Even certain cancers, you can find out people that have reversed that by checking out their website. So that is the the, the, the most uh, strict level of care. And that's what the place was founded was to be a, a, a water only fasting center under medical supervision. But they have a, a next level of care, which you can do a, a, ju- a juice fast, which I am told is actually more difficult. I did a juice fast there. I was kind of always hungry because when you're getting like 500 to 800 calories of juice, you never get to whatever that happens in water fasting. They say that usually water fasting, the first couple of days are difficult and then your hunger goes away. With juice fasting, it really doesn't. And I wanted to be in the, all the activities and meet the people. So I was going to meals and just having juice. And that was really kind of hard on me. So for me, the juice fast wasn't easy. But the third level of care, which is the one I do now, is called the unrestricted or free feeder, where you get to eat all the delicious food you want, three glorious buffets a day created by Chef Bravo and his staff which is set up in order of increasing calorie density and you eat to your heart's content because of the food is very calorie dilute and nutrient rich fruit salad steamed vegetables whole grains starches like potatoes rice and beans and you do it three times a day uh, and there's activities there's lectures there's gentle yoga classes and so when you do that level of care it's really more like a vacation and as a matter of fact the last two weeks of the year dr goldhammer doesn't really do much fasting unless people really that's the only time they can fast they do a special program called the Holiday Cooking Extravaganza that I'm the host. And it's been selling out for the last seven years where we basically do cooking classes every day and games and fun and all kinds of activities. And and we just eat and we eat even some special food, maybe some, when I say special, I don't mean like animal products or processed food, but maybe (laughs) some richer food like a pecan pie made out of dates and nuts. And it's really cool. So uh, True North is awesome. And, you know, I, I thank God every day for uh, the fact that I met Dr. Lyle and Goldhammer. They really, you know, you look back at your life and a lot of times people have a special teacher, like their second grade teacher, or maybe, you know, there's usually somebody in your life 
everybody has a person, I think, that just completely changed the trajectory and course of your life. And I got to say, for me, those people were Dr. Lyle and Dr. Goldhammer. They're like the brothers I never had. And I just think they're awesome. And they're the smartest guys I ever met. And really, True North is extraordinary. It's, It's just, it's fun. It sounds weird that you could go to a place and not eat and say it's fun. But you meet really interesting people there. They get famous people there, like Academy Award winners. I mean, two that I, I don't know if I don't want to sound like I'm name dropping. But the thing that's kind of cool about it is that everybody's the same, not the same, but, you know, everybody's treated the same. The rooms are the It's not like somebody gets this penthouse suite. All the rooms are shared apartments. You could buy it out if you if you want to stay alone. But like when you're there and you have any kind of skill, like Dr. Goldham will say, OK, go give a lecture. Like if there's a famous photographer there, he'll get up like Henry Henry Grossman, who was the Beatles photographer and JFK's photographer. When he's there, he gets up and gives a lecture on photography. When they had the Academy Award winning cinematographers there, he got up and gave a lecture. And it's just cool because you meet people and they, you, you meet them from all over the world. People come from India and, and, and every country you can imagine too. And it's it really is the best kept secret. I, I just... I just wish it was bigger so that more people could come and there wouldn't have to be such a long waiting list for people that are really sick and need to go there. Yes. Yes. Is there any um, possibility of it being expanded, like in collaboration with other plant-based doctors across the world? Right now, he doesn't have the room to expand. However, there are three water-only fasting centers, other places in the United States. I've only been to one of them. One of them is in Florida. I cannot think of the name, but it's run by Dr. Frank Sabatino. And there's one in Ohio run by Dr. Gracie Ewan, Y-U-E-N, who was a True North doctor. And I'm sorry, I don't know the name of that one either because I don't memorize things that I can look up. But there's one that opened near me in Yorba Linda, California by Dr. Nate Gershfeld, who was also a True North doctor called The Fasting Escape. And they're Right now, there's no waiting list. It's a much smaller place. Instead of fitting about 40 people, he can only take four in private rooms or eight if they're shared rooms. And it's it's actually really beautiful. It's like this oasis, very quiet, very serene. And Dr. Lyle's been coming every month to speak there. And it's just an absolute beautiful, beautiful place. So for people that need to go now, they could probably get into the fasting escape or they could get on the waiting list at True North because sometimes people drop out. I mean, being on the waiting list doesn't mean you'll have to wait two months, but it means that that's probably what they can guarantee. It didn't used to be like this, but the fact uh, it's gotten so popular through documentaries like the fasting, I think what it was called, it's on Netflix, I think, uh, the fasting movie, something like that. So more people are, are learning about fasting and longevity and intermittent fasting. And like I said, True North's been there for over 30 years doing their stuff under the radar. And uh, I'm happy to let people know about it because it's it's just such a great place. I've seen people, you know, with crippling autoimmune disease and rheumatoid arthritis get well as long as they, but you got to stay on the diet. This is the other thing. It's just like weight loss. Everybody gets well there. Everybody gets lean there, but you have to keep doing what you did. And I think that's one of the, I don't know what the word I'm thinking of, uh, trying to think of is like one of the biggest mistakes people make when it comes to weight loss or even health, if they're using diet is that after they've achieved the results they want, whether it's reversal of a disease or losing weight, they might think they go, okay, well now I can celebrate. And that's exactly the opposite of what you need to do. If anything, once you've achieved the results, that's when you need to be stricter because whatever you did to lose weight, whatever dietary style you end up doing to lose weight, if you don't keep that up, you will gain it back and very quickly. And the thing that's so cool about 
the thing I teach, which is calorie density, is it's the only dietary style I've ever known that allows you to eat large portions of delicious food to satiation without weighing or measuring your food so you don't feel like you're restricting while you're losing weight. But whatever you do to lose weight, you better keep doing to maintain your weight. And, and it's, it, that's the thing about diet. People go on a diet, which means they're going to go off a diet. You want to make a complete lifestyle change and not think of it as dieting. Mm, that is so true. That is so true. What I wanted to ask you about, because not everyone knows about calorie density, is just to give a little, would you mind giving a little bit of an explanation about calorie density? Well, here it is. So it's on the back of my book. I'm going to go really close. I have this magnet. And I put it on the back of my book, so I'll hold it there for a long time so people can see it. So what calorie density is, I didn't invent it. I actually learned most of it at True North and from another author named Dr. Barbara Rolls, a researcher at Penn State who studies human eating behavior at her lab at Penn State, uh, wrote a book called Volumetrics. All calorie density means is calories per pound of food. It's a certain amount of calories per a certain volume. So you're in another country, maybe you do liters. I I, I don't know, kilogram. I don't, sorry. I didn't learn the metric system. <laughs> That's okay. It's, it's, it's calorie density. It's, it's not counting calories, by the way. It is not about memorizing the amount of calories in a half a cup of rice or a cup of blueberries. It's basically just knowing what we call the average calorie density of a few food groups. And food ranges in calorie density from about 100 calories a pound, which is non-starchy vegetables, to 4,000 calories a pound, which is refined oils like olive oil, coconut oil, flaxseed oil, and things like that, which means there's a 40-fold difference in the calorie density of food. What Dr. Rolls discovered is that human beings eat roughly the same amount of food per day, about three to five pounds of food. And you can continue to eat that same amount of food if you understand calorie density and implement it simply by changing the calorie density of the foods that you're eating. And if you do that by as little as 500 calories a day, you'll lose one pound a week safely, sustainably, slowly, without going hungry once you understand the very calorie densities of, of these foods. Now, if you really understand calorie density, you can eat more than three to five pounds of food if you want, depending on which food groups you choose. So as a slender person, I now eat twice as much food and I was able to eat twice as much food and still lose weight because instead of eating foods of a very high caloric density, like processed oils, which are 400 calories a pound, nuts and seeds, which are about 3000 calories a pound, chocolate, 2,500 calories a pound, sugar, 1,800 calories a pound, flour, 1,500 calories a pound, animal products range at about 1,000 and more, cheese is about 1,600, which I wasn't eating anyway as a vegan, even avocados at 750 calories a pound. By eating foods, which I call to the left of the red line, the foods lowest in calorie density and highest in nutrient density, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and legumes, these are foods that are 600 calories per pound or less, I was able to eat a style called ad libitum as much as I want, as often as I want, whenever I want it until comfortably full. Because research has proven if you keep your average calorie density to 567 calories per pound or less, you you will you, you can't gain weight at that calorie density unless people are really, really eating something like 10,000 calories a day, they, they will lose weight eating foods at a caloric density that low. So I'm somebody that is a volume eater. I like to eat large portions of food. I don't like to eat skimpy, tiny portions of food, which is what most diets allow you to do. So calorie density is amazing. And by the way, it's been around a long time. I had two books on my bookshelf that were based on the principles of calorie density that I hadn't read yet. One was the 1980 book by Dr. Dean Ornish called Eat More, Way Less. And if you understand calorie density, you can eat way more and way, way 
much less. And Dr. McDougall wrote a wonderful book in 1985 that also was a bestseller called The McDougall Program for Maximum Weight Loss, which again is based on calorie density. So it's a great book. Yeah, oh, it is a great book. It's, you know, I just got it on uh, Audible because I wanted to hear it. And, and it's like, I, I hearing it was like, wow, yeah, that's so cool. You know, uh, Dr. McDougall's been saying for 40 years, the fat you eat is the fat you wear. And in my case, that was absolutely true because until I went on a no added fat diet, I really couldn't lose weight. And I know a lot of people say, well, you got to eat fat. Your brain needs fat. Well, you know what? There's fat in everything. I had oats today. Those are like 20% of their calories are from fat. As long as you're eating enough calories, you can't be fat deficient. There's, I mean, yes, it's possible, I suppose, to be omega-3 fatty acid deficient. So if you're worried to Take a tablespoon of flax seeds or chia seeds a day, but you don't have to have nuts. They're not the holy grail. Uh, you know, I say eat nuts, have big butts, because that was the case with me. I had to give up nuts and peanut butter and those other high fat foods like avocado and guacamole. And it was okay because what I could trade off is having much more food in the form of starch, which is what really is going to satiate you, like pounds and pounds a day of sweet potatoes and rice and beans, which are so much more filling and satisfying than peanut butter anyway, which, by the way, I think is crack. So, uh, you it, know, it is the, crack. I agree yeah. completely. Thank you. Thank you. And so chapter three of my book is where I really explain calorie density. And, you know, you don't have to learn it from me, but when you really understand it, it's 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 a beautiful system of, of really what nature intended. Because, you know, these foods of a very high caloric density, which are the foods I call to the right of the red line, most of them don't exist in nature. There's no oil in nature. There's no flour in nature. There's no sugar in nature. I mean, there's no chocolate the way we know it in nature. There's there's cacao beans, you know, in nature. There's no alcohol in nature. There are avocados, nuts, and seeds in nature, but our ancestors didn't eat these on a regular basis. They were seasonal. Our ancestors, ancestors were nomadic. Every nut and seed came in not just the brown shell that's around the walnut, but then there's this other huge black shell. I mean, I don't see how they were eating an ounce every day, weighed and measured when, it, I mean, it would take like 20 minutes just to get like two walnut halves, you know? So yeah, it's, mm. it's pretty cool. Like if you eat food from a plant instead of manufactured in a plant, that in itself is going to help you be healthy and lose weight if you need to. But if you are somebody that's eating a plant-based diet, and not eating oil or sugar or salt or minimally, um, like I was, I wasn't eating oil and sugar and I still couldn't lose weight. If you understand calorie density and you fill up on the lowest calorie foods first. So in other words, one of the things that really helps is sequencing your meals. And so by that, I mean, if you eat, you know, a big bowl of delicious, you know, bean chili, it's going to be hard for most people to go back and then eat some steamed greens or eat a salad. But if you eat the salad or the steamed vegetables first, you can fill your stomach, which is about the size of a cantaloupe, which holds about a liter of food. You can start activating those stretch receptors and nutrient receptors. So you can kind of fill up a little bit first on some of these calorie dilute foods like salads and vegetables to take that edge off the hunger. And then you can add the higher calorie more satiating foods like the potatoes, rice, and beans. So you're still getting the good stuff, but by sequencing eating from lowest calorie to highest calorie, you end up eating overall less calories. And the other trick, or not really a trick, I don't think it's a trick, it's a secret, is, is to always make sure that everything you eat has its water and fiber intact. And by that I mean instead of juicing, I mean there's there can be therapeutic reasons to juice, but in general, you want to eat your food whole, not blended, not juiced, not dehydrated, or as Dr. Goldhammer says, beaded, heated, treated, so that you can get the fiber and the water intact because 
when the fiber and the water are intact in a whole food, like a fruit or a vegetable or a, a whole grain, you create what's known as bulk, and bulk is what creates satiety. So, for instance, you know, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with eating some raisins or dates, but the thing is, is for the same amount of calories in a quarter cup of raisins, which really isn't going to fill you up, you could have two cups of grapes because whole fruit is about two to 300 calories a pound. Dried fruit is 1300 calories a pound. It's six times as calorically dense. Brown rice is about 500 calories a pound, but you grind it into a flour to make a gluten-free bread or pastry. And now it's 1500 calories a pound. You've tripled the caloric density because when you process the food, you make it calorie rich and nutrient poor. Even when you go from a little bit from nuts to nut butter, you're going to eat more. You know, I mean, most people probably don't struggle with peanuts as much as they do with peanut butter. But when you, you can even see with volume, when, when I give this talk in Los Angeles, I have like 20 jars filled with 400 calories of various foods. And you can see like 400 calories of rice and beans fills the whole jar and 400 calories of oil is such a, if I know we were going to talk about this, I would have brought them. It's such a small amount. You can't even see it in the jar. 400 calories of M&Ms is like, I don't know, like, like 12 M&Ms. It's, it's crazy. So the visual representation can often help people understand it. The thing is, is people are food addicts. People are addicts in general, and they want that artificial stimulation of dopamine in the brain that only comes with these very calorically dense foods. So even if they understand calorie density, it's not always easy to implement because you're always driven to seek the most concentrated calories in your environment. A great book on that subject, by the way, is called The Pleasure Trap by Lyle and Goldhammer. So just knowing and doing are two different things. I, I teach the knowing part very well. The doing, that's tough. People still have a really difficult time, which is why we have a support system and ultimate weight loss to encourage you. But that doesn't mean it's easy. It's simple. It's simple. I think it's pretty simple to understand, but it's not always easy. We have people in our lives that don't always encourage us, sometimes may sabotage us. People often don't want to be different than friends and families and coworkers. So it's, you have to find the people that resonate with you, you're like we say, find your tribe and love them hard because it's, it's, it's hard out there. It really is hard to, to be healthy in a world that's not designed to, to make you healthy. That is, it's such a great point. And I think that a lot of people, when you're talking about weight loss, and that's why I'm so glad that you're here talking about weight loss today. I think, I think people blame themselves so hard for fa- for falling off the wagon, for not having this magical unicorn willpower that they that they that they believe you know that so, you know, the two percent of people who you say manage to keep the weight off after two years, those people seem to have this magical weight willpower that the rest of the ninety eight percent don't have. And I think when listening to you, you know, we can people can start to hear ah this. This willpower, you're fighting against your social setting. You're fighting against, you know, family and friends and and peer groups. You're fighting against the types of foods, the oils, the calorie dense foods that you don't even understand what they're doing to you in your body. That tiny amount of oil, like you say, put a t- two tablespoons in your lunch, a tablespoon in your lunch stir fry, and a tablespoon in your dinner stir fry. You've got two tablespoons of oil, which you know, as you're saying, is 400 about 400 calories and, and of fat. For two ta- 
teaspoons of oil is almost 300 calories, 28 grams of fat, 14 grams of saturated fat. And for that same amount of calories, I can have four pounds of this wonderful recipe in my book called Oven Roasted Ratatouille. I can have a whole pound of fruit. It's incredible. I can have almost a whole pound of potatoes or sweet potatoes. And so I want I want the most food for my you know caloric buck. You know, you know, if you think about willpower, it's interesting. Dr. Doug Lyle has a free uh, webinar on the McDougal website called The Willpower Paradox. Is people say, oh, Chef AJ, you have so much willpower, you're so perfect. And what people don't understand is I don't have any more willpower than anybody else, and I'm not any more perfect than anyone else. The only thing I think that's a little bit different about me is I do have one thing going for me that is perfect in my life, and that's my environment. And one of the things I teach that I get a lot of flack for and people get very upset with me is the concept that if it's in your house, it's in your mouth. And so it doesn't matter whether it's you're trying to lose weight, you're trying to quit smoking or drinking, or whatever change you're trying to affect. If it's in your house, it's in your mouth. So most people understand with drugs and alcohol, whether they've been through treatment or not, is that if they want to stay sober, they can't have it in their house. We can't change the whole world around us, but we can control our environment. And they think that they can use this magical willpower, like you say, which gets depleted very easily, especially if you haven't eaten in several hours or have had a stressful day. And they, they white knuckle it, trying not to eat, you know, that tofuti in their freezer that's supposed to be for their kids or whatever. And you can't because what you have is your brain from the Stone Age is genetically hardwired to prefer the most concentrated source of calories in the environment. And if your brain knows there's concentrated calories somewhere, it's going to it's going to just drive you crazy and bang on it until you actually eat it. And so one of the reasons, I think the main reasons I've been successful for seven years is that I don't allow any non-compliant food in my apartment, not a drop, not a morsel, not a crumb, not for guests, not for my husband. My husband's welcome to eat anything he wants outside the house. I don't control him, but not in my house. You know, willpower is only required when you have to make a decision and you don't have to decide to eat something that's not there. And that is really the secret to my success and to the people I know that have been really successful is that we control our environments. Now, of course, sometimes people have jobs or they travel. Of course, it's harder to control every single environment, but at least control your house. You have to. And people won't do it because, again, we have these people-pleasing women that think their children are not going to love them or their husband's going to divorce them if they don't have all kinds of crap in their house. And that's one of the things we teach in the Ultimate Weight Loss Program, at least at our live Vegas conference. We have a men's group run by John Pierre, the celebrity fitness and nutritional guru who talks to the men and explains food addiction to them and why it's so important for families to support someone in recovery. But that's what I have going for me. It's not willpower. It's not perfection. It's clean environment. You know, there's an old saying in AA that if you hang around a barbershop long enough, it's just a matter of time until you get a haircut. If you have non-compliant food anywhere in your home, you will eat it. Uh, you know, Dr. Tom Campbell, who I love, he's the co-author of The Pleasure Trap, son of Dr. Colin Campbell. I heard him speak just a few months ago, and he runs a weight loss clinic in Rochester, New York. And he says, if you have temptation anywhere in your environment, you will fail. And so that's why Dr. Lyle says we have to work harder on our environment than we do ourselves. But people get mad at me for saying that. But it's the truth because I don't see people failing in a clean environment. It's always the environment. I never th- – like I – Obviously, our house is very clean because I, you know, I, I didn't even realize I was a food addict until Andrew Taylor came on the show and he was talking and I was like, this is the thing. (laughs) This is the thing that, you know, healing from multiple sclerosis was huge. And I focused on that for my reasoning for 
going on whole food plant-based was for that alone because I wanted to feel my legs. And I started to lose weight, but then it kept creeping back on because I would find whole food plant-based cakes I could make and whole food plant-based, which I still was feeling good as far as disease, chronic disease, but the weight would come back on and then I'd lose it again from different diets or different fads or whatever. And you're so right because you keep, I, I kept thinking, well, my kids need to have snacks. So I'd make my kids bliss balls and uh, dates and nuts and I'd make them uh, cookies and things like that. And then I would eat the majority of them. You know, I would eat them and the kids would be like, where are the biscuits? I'd be like, uh, mom ate them because I'm a fiend around biscuits and bliss balls. And my friends and girlfriends and everyone who you, I've heard this so many times, like, you know, I'm going on a diet, but my family shouldn't have to suffer. My family need to have snacks in the family. My family need to have chips and cookies and things to be fun mum. And I always want to be this fun mum, this wife that could have these foods in your house. But these foods are the things that are taking your quality of life away because you never reach your goal. You reach it and then you're back to square one. You reach it and then your confidence erodes over time until you stop even trying to reach for the goal that you were going after. Right. Yeah, that that, that is hard when, you know, I don't even like the word fail because it's, it's, it's such a strong word. I always think, you know, a better word is just not yet succeeded. It's uh, people, I don't really fully understand the concept so that I can articulate it as well as Dr. Lyle, but he calls it the ego trap when the bar is set so high that people almost fail on purpose, kick the table over and say, why even try? And it's, it's, it's so complicated. It's, it's sort of like the, the little toy that I had when I was little it was a Chinese finger toy where one finger went in and one finger went in when you pulled, you couldn't get out from either end. And he talks about this, how the ego trap and the pleasure trap are like diametrically opposed forces. And it's tough because the, we, we live in the pleasure trap, uh, the environment. I mean, you go to the hardware store and there's candy and you go to the pet store, which I don't understand because dogs don't eat candy. That's why I like PetSmart better than Petco because pet, at least in the States, one of the pet stores doesn't sell candy, which I never understood why you're selling human candy in a pet store because dogs aren't supposed to eat candy the last time I checked. But but it is very, very, very hard. Uh, the environment is, is like, like they say in the pleasure trap, we were de- designed for an environment of scarcity. And now on every corner, there's a fast food restaurant. So it's, it's tough. I get it. But that's why you got to keep your home clean. You got to yes. keep your home clean. So if you had three, so I'm just going because I know we're getting short of time. So before you've said so many amazing things that I'm so grateful for. So thank you so much. But there's two things I wanted to ask before I, before we finish up. And one would be, what would be your three tips for people who wanted to get listening to you talking and are like, yes, I'm definitely having a, I'm definitely having a, my, my brain is missing the word. I I, I some form of disordered eating. Yeah. I'm experiencing that. I feel I can totally resonate with what you're saying about going off track whenever there's food in the house that um, my environment isn't clean, all those kinds of things. Where should they start today? If you had three things that they could do today, if well, they were new and frightened and daunted. <laughs> you know, hmm. That's tough. We're, you know, I, I mean, I, it sounds like I'm plugging this, but I would read my book. I would, I would too. Rest- she doesn't have to if, plug it. It's great. Right. If it doesn't resonate with you, then find one that does. Meaning, because I really strongly believe that people have to find a group for this. Not everybody does, but most people do better in a group setting. It's, you know, addiction is a disease that can only exist in isolation and very few people can crawl out without help. And when you're in a group, 
you get, like you said, we were talking earlier about hope. You can see other people's progress where they've struggled. And, and I think that helps enormously. So if it's not my ultimate weight loss program, find a group that you resonate with, because I think that's going to be enormously helpful. I think that, uh, the other thing is, is most people, if they are overweight or feel they're suffering from some kind of discordant eating or food addiction, have to consider some kind of an abstinence-based program. And, you know, different food plans define abstinence di differently, but in general, it's at least sugar, flour, and alcohol at the bare minimum. Mine is sofas free, which is sugar, oil, flour, alcohol, salt. I don't know if everybody has to give up salt. In terms of caloric density, if you want to lose weight, you probably have to pretty much eliminate or reduce that oil, but it's the refined carbohydrates, the sugar, flour, and alcohol that wreak havoc with the sensitive brain of the food addict. Now, there are people that can drink alcohol and not be alcoholics, and there are people that can have, you know, bread and pastries and cookies and cakes and not struggle or have cravings or overeat or be overweight. But if you are struggling, have cravings, overweight, or overweight, it's probably not you. And so it's very hard to give up these drugs. I mean, we call them foods, but they're really chemicals that we add to the food that, as Dr. Goldhammer says, fool the brain satiety mechanisms. So some type of abstinence-based program is probably going to be very helpful to you. And then the next thing I would say is eat vegetables and eat starch. I mean, I don't believe you have to eat just potatoes, you know, to, to lose weight. As a matter of fact, I think having variety is even better. And vegetables are the key to the kingdom for losing weight and recovering from food addiction. And the reason is, and, and especially the greens, especially the dark green leafies, you know, most Americans don't eat very many vegetables, something like less than 10% of the calories Americans eat are from fruits and vegetables. And I think greens at maybe 1% for the people that eat them, maybe 3%, I don't know, but very few people eat vegetables. But they discovered that in the dark green leafy vegetables, there are these compounds and I always get it mixed up. I always forget if it's thycaloids or thylakoids. I think it's thycaloids, but I could be wrong. But there's these compounds in the greens that actually turn off the hunger switch that make us not have cravings for sugar. And so that's why I recommend people start their day with vegetables, especially greens, because you set the tone for the day, increase the self-esteem, you cut those cravings. And even if you're somebody that's not trying to lose weight or recover from food addiction, eating vegetables is just one of the best things you can do for your health, all the disease, you know, the thing that is most preventative for, for diseases are, are vegetables. And vegetables are probably the only food group that every dietary style believes, you know, you've got all these crazy keto and paleo and low carb and whatever, but vegetables are in every program. And people just need to, in my opinion, to eat more vegetables and, and don't be afraid of the starch. It's what you put on the starch that makes you fat. The, 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 peanut sauce and the butter and the cheese and the bacon and the guacamole. Starches make you thin. The more potatoes I eat, the thinner I get. And I probably eat three to four pounds of, of potatoes or sweet potatoes a day. So don't be afraid of starch. Consider an abstinence-based program and eat a lot of vegetables and find a group. If, unless you're somebody that's really an introvert that can do this by yourself. But, but most people can't. Most people can't be lifted out unless somebody's there with their hand pulling them pulling them up. I mean, I know that, you know, I had Dr. Lyle and Dr. Goldhammer guiding my success. And now in Ultimate Weight Loss, we have people that inspire other people like Heather, who lost 300 pounds, even though she has cancer and was homeless and, you know, things like that. So, uh, you know, I would really recommend reading The Pleasure Trap if you want more information on this or need to understand it more. And uh, listen to anything you can by Lyle and Goldhammer. Just go to YouTube, put in their names, and I'm telling you, you will learn so much from these two extraordinary gentlemen. 
and consider following me on Facebook or YouTube to watch my recipe videos because they're, they're they can be enormously helpful if you want to learn how to make this food taste good without things like oil, sugar, and salt. Well, that was going to be my next thing was to say to you, please tell everyone where they can follow you, what your you know all your books, all those things, please. I have a mailing list, and we we just basically send out like the videos that I do and the recipes, and um, we're not like people that are selling all the time. We don't very much to sell anyway. So uh, you know now that my book's out, but eatunprocessed.com is my website. If you sign up, you'll get about six recipes sent to you. I'm Chef AJ on Facebook which is what I use the most. And on YouTube, those two things I'm on Instagram and Twitter is the real chef AJ, but I got to tell you, I really don't understand how either of those work. And I, so <laughs> me, that's not me neither. <laughs> yeah. So YouTube and Facebook, well, Facebook, especially, I sometimes get behind checking all the comments on YouTube, but I really do try to check my Facebook page every day. And, uh, that's where I do my live show, healthy living with chef AJ and almost every Wednesday where I interview interesting people and my other show weight loss Wednesday, by the way, you can just go to YouTube. I have 89 episodes of weight loss Wednesday. You can watch and many of them are recipe, uh, videos in, and, uh, probably another 40 episodes of the chef and the dietitian. So I, I mean, I've, I've met people at conferences that say, you know, I learned how to cook just from watching your show. So that's great. Cause uh, cooking's good. That is so true. I, I loved Weight Loss. That's how I first found you on Weight Loss Wednesday. Oh, nice. Yeah, some people find me through that. Yeah, I always think, oh, gosh, do I, should I keep doing this? I've said the same thing over and over. But, you know, when I've tried to quit, people are like, oh, I miss Weight Loss Wednesday. And then I started doing it taped instead of live and people got upset. But I, so now I, I fluctuate on the days that I can do live. I do live. Otherwise, I have a few episodes that I did in advance and I just put them out on Wednesday. Oh, that's a, I, I love them. So don't stop. It's, it's, it's great. It's always good. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was so low. I feel very, very honored. Like I'm fan. I'm a fan girl. So I'm <laughs> fangirling about, I was so excited to interview you and thank you so much for taking the time to share your wealth of knowledge with us and your life, your lived experience, because that's what really resonates with me personally. And with, I hope my listeners as well. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, AJ, for coming on the show. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope that you got as much out of that episode as what I did. I am still on a high. It was just wonderful to listen to everything that she has to say um, because she just knows so much of so much. So yes, thank you so much. If you haven't yet checked out Chef AJ, you can find her at eatunprocessed.com, at Chef AJ on Facebook and YouTube. You can, you know, she's got Weight Loss weight loss Wednesdays on YouTube, Healthy Living on program on YouTube. Her book, Unprocessed, and The Secrets to Ultimate Weight Loss are amazing. So check her out, find her stuff. If you haven't yet subscribed to this channel, I put out new episodes every Sunday slash Monday. You can find me on iTunes or Apple, Apple Podcasts, it's called now, iTunes on your iPhone. You can find me at Sitcha app for your Android phones, at my website, karinidja.com. And there's 22 episodes at the time of this recording on YouTube under my name, Karinidja, because... <laughs> that's just what I'm just figuring out YouTube. So yes, but please, if you could subscribe, if you could leave kind reviews, ratings, comments, lumps, likes, thumbs up, all of those things, I know that they might seem... People don't like to hand out likes for some reason, <laughs> like like they cost money to hand them out, but you don't lose anything. And what happens for the podcast is that more people can find it. So if you can take the time to give those thumbs up, share it on your page, like it, share it, comment on it. 
the more you do this, the more people can find this podcast and the more people can help change their life for the better. So that's why people who have these shows ask for those types of things because it just means that, more, that the show becomes more visible. And these stories... I just want more, more people to find them. So please, if you can, that would be so wonderful. So you can also follow me on the When Life Gives You Lemons Go Vegan Facebook page where I post you know, more updates, the epi- latest episodes, all those kinds of things. That's on Facebook. And I'm on Instagram at Corinne Ninja on Instagram, which I'm still figuring out. But it's there if you want to follow me there. There's some bits and pieces and different stuff that's not always on the other areas. And that is about it next week. I don't know who's on the show, but someone exciting and amazing is going to be on the show. So thank you so much again for listening. Thank you so much, Chef AJ, for coming on the show. Please go and buy her books and support her. She is just incredible wealth of knowledge. And, yeah, I'll see you all next week. (laughs) 